learned a new trick. <laughs> that song was can't by a band named Canned Heat. <laughs> we used to go, we, I went to a few of their concerts. Um, the song is Going Up the Country, and you're thinking, why are you talking about going to the country? Well, hang on there for a minute, because everybody's talking about moving to the country to escape the cities. Well, I have some news for you. So anyway, so um, let me get started here. Um, I would suggest that you go to my website. Likely, I'm not going to be doing a um, video. The production didn't turn out. got the script all written, but anyway, so, and I'm, I'm not really convinced that I really want to upload anything anymore to YouTube. <laughs> that place is a toxic mess. So anyway, so yeah, you can go to my website. I have hundreds of pages of photos, including the people I'll be talking about today, which are the Kennedys, America's Mafia. Um, there's only three tabs there on my website, okay? One, they're just right there in a row. The one on the left is called Hiding in Plain Sight. You want to click on that because on that one, I have a um, video that I made a copy of that is, um, is JFK really Jimmy Carter, which you'll find very interesting. And then the other tab, I uploaded a bunch of new pictures under Hiding in Plain Sight Transgender Elites. And I have all of the elites with their lousy chin surgeries. I have the Kennedy family. Jackie Kennedy has some heck of a neck, neck scars um, for her from her trachea. So it's all there. Go take a look. Anyway, so yeah, chances, don't count on me doing the video, okay? I have many more things to worry about. So actually, if you go over there and flick through the pictures on your own, the idea is to train your eyes so you know what to look for. Because, for example, everybody thought Shirley Temple had those dimples. Well, I think there's screws in her face, okay? So yeah, take a look there. Um, so, and also I did a show, which will kind of go in conjunction with this. And in the title is, we're enemies of the state. It was the last couple of months. Okay. And that show, I lay out um, how the U.S. citizens were declared enemies of the state at different points. And it's never been lifted. Okay. So just get that point clear in your head. Okay. So, um, yeah. So anyway, so I was looking more into Germany, can't let Germany go yet, um, because I had seen some videos before about the gas chambers not being really real. And if you're ever looking for information, especially with this topic being the Jews, also known as the Romans, um, the best place to go where it's not so buried is the Russian search engine. And that is Yandex, Y-A-N-D-E-X.com because I found a lot of Holocaust stuff that wasn't buried like it is on Google. Um, yeah, because they claim that, you know, they said there were about 6,000 people murdered in the camps and stuff. Well, now they're saying about 1,000, but let me put it this way. Germany was being starved then, okay, right? So exactly how hard would it be to come up with a 1,000 starving dead bodies to put in piles and take pictures of? Probably quite easy, right? So anyways, here, here is, I'm going to give you some key words for you to go look for yourself, okay? There was a curator at the Auschwitz State Museum who made some pretty um, alarming or interesting comments, okay? This person called Franciscan, F-R-A-N-C-I-S-Z-E-K, Piper. Piper is a senior curator and director of archives of the Auschwitz State Museum and he admitted on camera that Krema 1, K-R-E-M-A 1, the alleged homicidal gas chamber shown off to hundreds 
and thousands of visitors every year at the Auschwitz main camp was, in fact, fabricated after the war by the Soviet Union, apparently on the direct order of Joseph Stalin. Because what had happened was, was that um, what Piper said in effect and on camera was that there was an explosive 1988 Letcher report, L-E-U-C-H-T-E-R report. And all of these are incredibly easy to find if you just type in those words, okay? L-E-U-C-H-T-E-R report and from 1988. And what that report claimed was that no homicidal gassings took place in the buildings designated as homicidal gas chambers. And I also spent quite a bit of time looking through um, some work that people had done to go through all of these um, details you know, where were the doors, where were the windows, and yeah, none of it, none of it makes any sense, and none of it could possibly be true, okay, just using simple logic, okay. Okay, um, I'm going to be, um, I have talked in the past about FEMA, FEMA being able to, um, I've, I've said things like, well, be prepared so you don't have to go to those FEMA trucks. Well, newsflash, now that I know exactly who they are, I don't believe FEMA is going to be rolling out those trucks into any parking lots anywhere near any of us. The idea is going to be that I believe we're going to be completely on our own, and I will explain to you why now. And then in the next part, I'm going to get to my real point here, which is Jackie Kennedy. <laughs> Boy, what a liar that group is. So anyway, so yeah, um, but first let me get over this... Um, that, that was, that's why I played that song about going up to the country because um, everybody thought, oh, move to the country, get out of the cities. Well, maybe a good idea, maybe a bad idea. All ideas are okay, right? I'm just going to warn you that if you think you're tucked away somewhere, you might want to consider some other, op some other things that are going to be happening, okay? Because FEMA, you know, I looked up some of their FEMA reports today, and, you know, Katrina, supposedly FEMA was unprepared. Well, I mean, they planned Katrina, so, yeah, FEMA abandoned people during Katrina and FEMA you know they did some studies and reports and surveys or whatever the last one I found was 2017 and FEMA has quite the reputation for stiffing the poor during these events because what happens is is that the money all goes to the wealthy residents in any area that FEMA is going to and what happens is likely just to to steal because um, if you're poor and you're property gets hit drastically and you can't rebuild, what happens? Well, you probably have to abandon your property because you can no longer afford the taxes. You can't afford to rebuild. So that way they get to grab your property back. So a few years ago, I was taught, I was trying to get a handle on what the um, military and gun power in this country is going to be in the future. And so I was looking into, you know, the different military operations and I was also looking into, I, I did a show about all the military bases, so I'm not going to go there. What I found alarming at the time was this. This country has all these armed militias all over, all over the place in about 20 of the states. They're very easy to find. You can go look for U.S. militias and they'll give you a whole list so you can educate yourself on what militias do you have in your particular state. Um, so... What I found interesting about that was this, and I don't know why, okay, because when I was looking at the militias, I assumed or thought at the time that maybe there was like one militia group per, per state, 
in those 20 or so states, right? And those militias are under the control of the governor, but they're also under... Anyway, so they have all these armed people running around, okay? And um, a militia is generally an army or some other fighting organization of non-professional soldiers, citizens of a country, or subjects of a state who may perform military service during a time of need as opposed to a professional force of regular full-time military personnel. Well, I think we're going to have both here, okay? So what I found really interesting, because I t took another look at some of these militias, and um, at the time I was very alarmed because the armed part, okay, people are going to be armed, right? There is no weapons training necessary to become a malicious me militia member. And then I found that in Texas, that state is divided up like crazy with militia groups and just about every county or something has a different militia group. And yeah, you can find all their groups online. Just look up the t Texas militia groups. But anyway, so what I found interesting, and I don't know why, but here's the deal. In Texas, the Texas militia are the militia forces of the state of Texas. It currently consists of the Texas Army National Guard, Texas Air National Guard, and Texas State Guard. It is administered by the Texas Military Department under command of the Texas Adjunct General. Well, Texas Military Department. What the deal is, is that Texas has its own military department, which I have no clue of. And I looked around. I mean, I, I did searches. I, I, I was looking, does California have a military department? Well, no, none of them do except for Texas. So... I didn't go through all 30 of the states, or 50, I mean 30 of the militia states, but I believe that Texas is very, very different as far as their military power and their militia power. So if I were you and I was in Texas, I certainly would be taking a look at, uh, and information is not fear, information should bring you power, okay? Um, because here's the deal, um, they're doing all this funding um, for Okay, let me go here real quick. Why do I have Jackie here? Um, oh, so today I'll be covering um, Jackie Kennedy, that ugly little man, and Camelot. Some interesting things about that, about Camelot. And then I have much more about the Kennedy Mafia, which I'm not going to be covering today because I have files and files of those mobster people that have some very interesting things about that family. So let's just focus now. Let me talk first. This file I had titled, The Sneaky Plot. Okay. They did this plan in 1997, okay? And it was to give military equipment and military un uniforms to go around the country to local police departments. So that's why you'll notice that police in this country have been changing their uniforms over the years. They're more military grade. Now they're like loaded with weapons and stuff, okay? And how it all started, let me read you this. When scores of protesters took to the streets of Ferguson, Missouri, and that was in 2014, that was the police killing of Michael Brown. And I have that in my show about true crime is fake. And that's still over at YouTube. Okay. They were met by officers in camouflage, aiming sniper rifles directly at people's faces, moving through streets lined by homes and strip malls in mine-resistant armored vehicles. It was a jarring display of police force for a suburb on the outskirts of a mid-sized U.S. city, and it brought much scrutiny 
to, at the time, little-known federal program through which police departments across the country receive surplus military equipment from the Department of Defense. And after the Ferguson protest, and then again after the police killing of George Floyd, which was really at the kickoff of this deal, right? And these things were all staged, right? None of these cases, George Floyd or Michael Brown, were real. Um, So, so far, nearly... 90 million worth, I couldn't get all the figures because they kind of lost track of things, but 90 million worth of military equipment was transferred to police last year alone and more than 7.4 billion since 1990. Okay, so that's a pretty big deal, right? Arming those cops. Um, And what the cops can do is if they have a budget to buy the military equipment, all they have to, they're allowed to buy at the Department of Defense discount price. So, almost like shopping on Amazon, buy more than one, you get a hundred. Yeah, so um, they allow police to order whatever military gear they want with this Department of Defense deal. So they can just go through the list. They, they can get it for free or they can actually pay for it. That's why the cops are wearing all that stuff now. Um and then it was interesting because I was looking for how many people supported this. And I think a lot of people will support this. That's why they're doing all this stuff about defund the cops and stuff. So people are acting like, we want the cops. <laughs> well, be careful what you ask for. A majority of Americans support ending the program. But um, what happened was Obama made a couple cutbacks. See, this is how it works. And... Um, Joe Biden said that he was going to deal with it, but of course he hasn't, right? He's too busy out eating ice cream. Um, But anyway, so the vehicles known as MRAPs have become a symbol of the program after they were dispatched to protests and home raids. They ride in these things to come and do home raids and stuff, okay? It's an armored vehicle designed to withstand the effects of an explosion or armed airbush. Could be part of the reason why they let everybody have their weapons in this country, right? Because I think people's weapons and guns are to turn on other people because I don't know how your shotgun is going to hold up against an armored tank. But anyway, so here's what I think they have by these dates and stuff, okay? Because um, this thing started in 1997, okay, this deal. And what it was, it's the 1033. See those two threes? 1033. Um... It was the act, okay? Currently, over 8,200 federal, state, and local law enforcement agencies participate in the 1033 program and hold military equipment from the DOD, or Department of Defense. The program was created in 1997 through a law passed by Congress. And remember, Michael Brown and that was just a few years after this 1997 thing. My view, and I won't bury the lead, my view is this was a sneaky way to get all the cops around every small town around this company country fully loaded and armed and cocked and ready to go, okay? Because I don't believe that FEMA is going to come to our help. I, I don't believe that for a second, okay? Um, in 2019, 92% of the equipment given out through the 1033 program was classified as non-controlled or general property, which includes things like office supplies, nursing equipment, and computers. The remaining 8% of equipment, now remember, 
I haven't verified these numbers. The number came from them, so I got to assume they're probably not correct, right? <laughs> okay, so, um, so the controlled stuff was 8% um, given to law enforcement agencies on a loan, but they never had to pay these things back. This includes equipment like armored vehicles, rifles, handguns, MRAPs, aircraft, and night vision equipment. The handouts of controlled equipment are the increasingly dangerous portion of the 1033 program. So this university, Cornell University person, Sabrina, whatever, um, said, you know, just so you know, people have criticized me for years for not pronouncing these people's names, and I refuse to sit around and study the names of psychopaths. So if they're ones that I think you should look up, I'll make sure to spell them, okay? Um, I'm not sure why people would ever criticize me for not pronouncing psychopaths' names, but this is one of the reasons why I'm no longer on YouTube. Okay, so this person said, Sabrina went on to say, there's no doubt that law enforcement agencies benefit from receiving a lot of things that are a help that they need to do. Things like office desks and chairs. But where I think that, this is her talking, where I think the problem comes in is when they get some of the bigger ticket items that are militarist, militaristic that were developed by the Department of Defense to be military equipment. She added that it can, that it can alarm people when police begin to look like fully armed military squadrons right in the middle of communities. The more that the police look like the military, the less of a traditional policing policy they have, and they become soldiers, not police officers. That takes away from any kind of community engagement and trust in law enforcement. So, who gets what? Okay. The over 8,200 law enforcement departments have been recipients of some kind of military equipment through the 1033 program. It's important to recognize which departments purchase their own controlled equipment and which have to acquire it from the DOD. If you look through the data on it, one of the things you'll find is that most major cities don't have much coming through that program, Sabrina said, because they often have big police budgets and can afford to purchase military equipment through commercial channels, which they get the discount from the DOD. Um, yeah, so um, Sabrina added that it's easier for big police departments in major cities to justify the use of funds on military equipment in their, to their elected officials. The problem is you get these very tiny towns that don't really have a municipal budget, nor can they really justify spending that out of the justify spending that out of the municipal budget for a $70,000, no, $700,000 armed personal carrier. And yes, what's going on is these um, towns have all this equipment and what they're doing is they're setting up speed trap. They're doing all kinds of things. <laughs> what they're doing is some of these small towns are getting huge revenues along with this. They already got the equipment from the DOD, right? Um, so that's, they're, they're also going down the streets and actively, um, oh, I don't know, arresting people, giving out tickets like a small town might set up a speed trap in a lucrative area where lots of tourists and people are passing through and make millions in speeding tickets and stuff. And that means that that town gets this huge 
so they get to hire more police to go and get these speeding tickets done and they also get to buy more police cars and, and really fund the police department so if you think moving to the country was a good idea it's probably still a good idea hey it is what it is right just be aware of your surroundings okay and sabrina went on to say up until the 1033 program you couldn't touch one of these armored vehicles for under 400,000 to 450,000. Some were well over half a million dollars to build and acquire for law enforcement. And they said that was something they certainly didn't have the funds to purchase. And thanks to their friends at the DOD, all these small towns are, oh, also there's a, through the um, stimulus program, <coughs> there was a ton of sneaky, sneaky budgeting for local cops. And what that means is that um, they handed out all that money, right? And a lot of that money in some areas went directly, the majority of it went directly to the police. So all this defund the police stuff is just child psychology to get people thinking, don't give up the cops, we need the cops. Okay, be careful what you scream for. Um, so um, this, they went on to say here, um, I think you'll find it more common in rural Missouri to see military equipment than you will up in the city because in this city, all they're worried about is public perception and not the safety of our men. Well, they're coming at it like they need tanks to be safe from the rest of us, right? And I'll also interject here. I looked up the statistics because the cops are always, we have such dangerous jobs. Well, cops make a ton of money on overtime, okay, because of all this funding that's going around. Um, Police departments are very well funded in this country. Um, but, yeah, they're always saying their, their their lives are at risk. That's why they kill black people in the back and stuff, because they're really worried they're going to get the cops. Well, just do a search for top 25 most dangerous jobs in the USA. Well, the police come in at number 22, okay? They are certainly not that, and I'm not diminishing anybody's situation, but they're not as dangerous as they're making it out to be, Okay. Cops are not getting killed in numbers like we are, okay? Let's put it that way. Okay, and then I was looking at public opinions, <clears throat> and it said there's very little public opinion on the 20, 1033 program. A study from 2018 that I found indicated that most people were not aware a program like 1033 existed. Well, I bet most of you probably weren't aware either, right? A more recent poll I found from Data for Progress shows that a slim majority of people support making it illegal. So most people, I believe, either don't know about it or if they knew about it, they would think it's a good idea, okay? And then there was this person, Ryan Welch, a professor of political science at University of Tampa, and he co-authored a paper as far as the police mil militarization and they caution against using it. Well, that sounds great, but yeah, the, the, the cat's out of the bag, okay? There is research that shows that protests can become more violent when met with violent means themselves. So they've done these studies and they know that bringing these tanks out creates more violence from the public. Drawing a line, he went on to say, drawing a line in the sand with a bunch of militarized troops and vehicles creates a battle space in which protesters then feel that they're, that they're there. And that might incite some number of people to engage in violence. Well, 
The literature generally emphasizes de-escalation as a way to protect from protests. But he went on to say, I think we've seen over the past couple of months that militarized police responses to ongoing protests tend to lead to worsening situations, not better. Well, like I always say, kids, this is the plan, not the bug in the system, okay? So that's enough of that. I want to get to Jackie. (laughs) I found a channel on YouTube called Lackluster, L-A-C-K, L-U-S-T-E-R, all one word. And what they do is, I didn't know what the word for it was, but they're called um, auditors, A-U-D-I-T-O-R-S. And they go around, they audit the cops, they audit public officials, okay? And some of those cases are wild, okay? Um, You know, cops pulling people out of cars. I mean, cops lying. Um, It's just, it's incredible. Um, I posted one of the ones that I found the most significant over on my community page on YouTube. And that was a horrific story I mean, of a family that had been, I mean, I, I can't imagine being evicted, right? It has to be the worst thing in your family's life. An evicted family, basically, uh, go over there and watch the story for yourself. But the cops robbed them. I'll just cut to the chase, okay? So, on that pleasant note, let's get to... Jackie. So anyway, so they're called auditors and they're all over YouTube. I think these lackluster people, I watched a ton of them because I was trying to figure out, you know, it, a lot of these things that I watched are taking place in small towns already. Okay. Um, so go take a look. So anyway, so let's get to Jackie. Jack E. Get it? What an ugly woman. You know, here's the thing. People, People fawn over that person, and I never found her attractive. She's actually, go look at my pictures of her over at the website. She's got a horrible, I mean, just a massively scarred neck. I mean, just something else. Um, That little pug face. I mean, she is a little boy, a little Roman, skinny little Roman boy, okay? And there's one picture I want you to look, look up for, because, you know, Jackie, I have that video over at the website that JFK is Jimmy Carter. They are one the same, okay? And they do crazy things, okay? Um, and you'll see on that video, I mean, Carter goes to the Kennedy Library. They, 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 they play us, okay? And Kennedy, Carter talks about me to poor peanut farmer. He was not a poor peanut farmer. He was JFK, okay? Or still is JFK. But there's a pretty significant picture. I think I have it in my files over there. But you can look it up. Jimmy Carter unexpectedly tried to kiss Jackie Kennedy at the opening of the JFK library in 1979. She's kind of recoiling back. They really play us, okay? A couple significant quotes before I get started on old Jackie. Um, John F. Kennedy, his famous, two of his famous quotes. This one is pretty startling. We have the power to make this the best generation of mankind in the history of the world or make it the last I don't know what Yuri said that. I thought, make it the last. Well, I think that's what we're doing here, right, kids? Okay. And then his other one, which is pretty significant. If Just think about the words, okay? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Yeah, yeah, what you can do for your country, like being slaves and giving them all tax money. Okay, let's get to Jackie. Her or his style has been emulated. The pillbox, ha- the pillbox hats of the sedate Jackie Kennedy, those huge dark glasses of the stalked Jackie O, and her face may have been photographed more than any other woman's. 
There have been scores of books on her. Cha-ching, cha-ching. The latest, a cornucopia of gossip and alleged detail that practically jumped off the presses into the bestseller and countless magazine articles, including a recent cover story in Life that boasts photographs taken from every year of the six decades of her life. She's been the subject of inspiration of various television movies and films. Among the actresses who have taken a shot at portraying her or a Jackie-like figure are Blair Brown, Jacqueline Smith, and Jacqueline Bissett. Celebrity is too simple a term. Her, statual, her stat, status will always be more complex and more exalted by virtue of being a Kennedy. And the woman who, when John, John F. Kennedy was murdered in November 1963, bore her grief as a nation, excuse me, JFK was murdered in November of 1963. Jackie bore her grief as well as a nation's in a lonely, very public role and never faltering. It was a nice touch, too, how she wore that bloodstained uh, pink Chanel suit when LBJ got signed in on the plane. That was really a nice touch, you know? Very thoughtful of her. Put that blood out there, right? Fake blood. Okay. No matter how many eccentric millionaires she dates or how extravagant she is rumored to be or how much, how much little she... Or how much... Oh, how much rumored to be or how much or little she works, the public will always forgive her or at least give her slack. And... I looked into Camelot. Camelot was the pitch they gave all of us, right? The Kennedys, the America's King and Queen, and Camelot, the good old times rolling. Well, <laughs> Camelot was cooked up by Jackie. I hate to break it to you. Okay. In the early 60s, even before his death, Kennedy symbolized power and glamour in a way that American presidents had never before. Both Kennedy and Jackie had come from wealthy socialite families. And boy, did they ever. And I'll be getting back to that in another show. They were both attractive and charismatic. And Kennedy was also a World War II veteran. Yeah, they claim that. Yeah, I'll get into Ken. I don't want to start reeling off right. Okay. Additionally, when he was elected, Kennedy became the second youngest president in history, age 43 and the first Catholic president, Roman Catholic president, of course, no, Roman Irish Catholic president, making his election even more historic and feeding into the notion that his presidency would become somehow different. The first Catholic president. Well, frankly, they're all Roman Catholics, okay? But this is the first one that we think we know about, right? Just like we don't think we had any Jews and we think we had one black guy. The couple's early days in the White House reflected a new visible level of glamour. The Kennedys went on trips via private jets to Palm Springs, attending and hosting lavish parties that boasted royalty and celebrity guests. Famously, these guests included members of the Rat Pack, such as Frank Sinatra, adding to the image of the Kennedys as young, fashionable, and fun. Their term Camelot has been used retrospectively to refer to the Kennedy administration, which lasted between January 1961 and November 1963, capturing the charisma of Kennedy and his family. 
Camelot was first publicly used by Jackie in a Life magazine interview after she invited the journalist, some theater white, to the White House just days after the assassination. So right after the assassination, Jackie's whipping into line, right? White was best known for his Making of a President series about Kennedy's election. In the interview, this is how it got cooked up, okay? I realize I'm kind of a nut to getting to how these things get started, but to me it's important, okay? Okay, so, and remember, if I hadn't have been disinterested, I would have stayed with the Jews, which everybody on YouTube is pushing, right? They gotta be Jews. Everybody's yelling about Jews this week. Trump's yelling about Jews. Kanye West is screaming about Jews. So in the interview with this Theodore H. White, Jackie referred to the Broadway musical Camelot, which Kennedy apparently listened to often. Well, according to Jackie, right? <laughs> the music had been written by his Harvard classmate, Alan Jay. Jackie quoted the ending lines of the final song, and that was this. Don't let it be forgot that once there was a spot for one brief shiny moment that was known as Camelot. Kind of jingles, right? Don't let it be forgot that once there was a spot for one brief shiny moment that was as Camelot. There will be great presidents again, but there will never be another Camelot. And it's kind of funny that Jay... Uh, Everybody loved JFK and thought that Carter did a really crappy job as a president. When White took the 1,000-word essay to his editors of life, they complained the Camelot theme was too much. Yet Jackie objected to any changes and herself edited the interview. See how they all work together? The immediacy of the interview helped cement the image of Kennedy's America as Camelot. In that moment, Jackie was a grieving widow and mother in front of the world. She got little John Jr. to remember that little slut he did? Her audience was sympathetic and, more importantly, receptive. It wasn't long before the images of Kennedy's Camelot era were being shared and reproduced throughout popular culture. Family photographs of the Kennedys were everywhere, and on television, Mary Tyler Moore, the Dick Van Dyke Show character, Laura Petrie, often dressed like the glamorous Jackie. Well, Mary Tyler Moore, also a man, right? <laughs> okay, now this is the part that I found really, really both creepy and interesting, okay? <laughs> Jackie supposedly wrote this poem, okay? So, um, supposedly, I'm not, I'm not saying any of this is true, okay? Uh, but I, I found it just fascinating that Jackie was the one who cooked up Camelot right after JFK was supposedly shot. She's rushing around doing interviews. <laughs> Can't keep a good liar down, kids. Okay, supposedly Jackie wrote this on her honeymoon about Jack, okay? Um, Jack and Jackie went up the hill. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jack and Jackie were newlyweds after the their wedding was in September of 1953, okay? And this president of Mexico, Don Miguel Alemán, let Jackie and Jack <laughs> use his villa. 
During their use of the Mexican president's villa, Jackie wrote a poem about John, her new husband. And this is really a clincher. Okay, I'll try to straighten up and read it correctly. It goes on. Let me read it. It, It's very short, so I'll, I'll be serious. He would find love. He would never find peace. For he must go seeking the golden fleece. And that came out of a book name, I found in a book named A Woman Named Jackie, page 134. So, he would he would find love, he would never find peace, for he must go seeking the golden fleece. Well, what does the golden fleece mean? <laughs> in Greek mythology, the golden fleece is the fleece of the golden woolen winged ram. And I have more about this ram later because in the past I talked about this thing with the um, Baphomet, you know, that freaky goat thing that sits there with two sexes that they supposedly worship. Well, I really believe they do worship that because this winged ram thing (laughs) all ties into this, but I'm not going to go there today. But um, yeah, so a fleece in Greek... is the golden wooled winged ram okay it's called c-h-r-y-s-o-m-a-l-l-o-s that rescued furious and brought him to cochillus c-o-l-c-h-i-s where phileus then sacrificed it to zeus z-e-u-s Ferix felix gave the fleece to king aetes a-e-e-t-e-s who kept it in a sacred grove Whence Jason, I, I don't, stole it. The fleece is a symbol of authority and kingship. <laughs> okay, but a fleece also has a few other meanings. So hold that thought about the ram. Next time I talk about the Kennedys, I'll talk to you about that freak goat thing. <laughs> because the goat thing is pretty interesting. Okay. There's another interpretation of fleece. And, um... A more widespread interpretation relates to the myth of the fleece to a method of washing gold from streams. So um, they said that that was well attested to um, in the region of Georgia to the east of the Black Sea. Sheep fleeces, sometimes stretched over a wooden frame, would be submerged in the stream and gold flecks born from the upstream deposits would collect in them. So they put this sheep fleece out in the stream to collect gold flecks, okay? Now they're uh, now they're doing the gold thing more toxically in Africa, but the gold flecks, okay? And um, the fleeces would be hung in trees to dry before the gold was shaken or calmed out. Alternatively, the fleeces could be used could be used on washing tables in alluvian mining of gold or on washing tables at deep gold mines. Judging by the very early gold objects for a range of cultures, washing for gold is a very old human activity. So yeah, um, fleecing. (laughs) What have they been doing to us? (laughs) Fleecing us? Fleecing also means the woolly covering of a sheep or goat. As the sheep came on board, we grabbed their long, shaggy fleeces. 
a soft, warm fabric with a texture sim similar to sheep's wool, such as lining material. We have all these fleece clothes. All of our fleece clothes are made with petroleum to further <laughs> destroy us. So yeah, fleece. Fleece also means obtain a great deal of money from someone, typically by overcharging or swindling them. Money that authorities money that authorities say he fleeced from well-to-do acquaintances. And then there was a literary, literary meaning. Um, cover as if it was cover as if with a fleece. The sky was half blue, half fleeced with white clouds. So she's talking about Kennedy being a king. Or somebody who's going to fleece us, right? Or however you want to interpret that word. When America's 31st president, of course, 3-5 means 8, which is their key number. Um, it said, when America's 31st president, in the person of John Fitzgerald Kennedy, JFK, had the chance to rule, I didn't write this, they did, in 1961, he left a lasting impression on the face, face of American politics. With previous political experiences as a U.S. representative and a U.S. senator, Kennedy was well poised to become a great president, even though his tenure was cut short by his brutal assassination in 1963. <laughs> uh, think, I think of the Kennedys as some elitist, and what comes to mind to me is wealth, power, influence, arrogance. Elegance. I, I meant elegance. <laughs> arrogance. <laughs> Um, these people are so arrogant, it's kind of hard to believe. You know, what I found interesting, let me, let me get back on this, um, the cops and the tanks and stuff. What's interesting in that Soylent Green movie is it was different there because they had the cops to protect their buildings, right? Because they, they were all living in those big buildings and the cops protected them. Well, what are they going to do now? Uh, when they have their big mansions all over the place, and um, well, maybe maybe the plan is for these um, tanks to roll in front of their communities, right? Because I was wondering, they just have those little flimsy gates outside these gated communities. Anyway, off subject, but let me get back here. Okay, because their arrogance is going to be what's going to happen, but. And this is what I found interesting, and, and I will be back with way more about this stuff, because I didn't know that. The great-grandparents of John F. Kennedy and Robert F. Kennedy, and you notice all the shows on YouTube, there's a million Kennedy shows, we had to kill them because the CIA. <laughs> okay. Um, but the great-grandfather of JFK and Robert Kennedy, they both had the initials F, Robert F. Kennedy and John F. Kennedy. Kennedy possessed none of those things. The, the, the father, the great-grandfather, okay? Because they claim... <laughs> you know, I love these backstories. <laughs> the family's improbable journey from obscurity in Ireland to eventual prosperity and celebrity in the United States offers hope to America's latest arrivals from <laughs> abroad. Um, there was this book called The First Kennedys, and it was it was a book by this person called Neil Thompson. It explored the little-known stories of Bridget Murphy Kennedy and Patrick Kennedy. 
The other one was, anyway, and pa- so it was Bridget Murphy Kennedy and Patrick Kennedy. Both independently fled famine in their homeland in the mid-1800s, fell in love in fiercely anti-immigrant Boston and paved the way for the Kennedy's political dynasty that followed. <laughs> they were they were poor and starving. And I really imagine that, right? <laughs> um, the Kennedy family name was not always synonymous with wealth, power, and politics. So, um, trace back to a young Irishman, Patrick Kennedy. Patrick Kennedy, and then the, Joe Kennedy was the one we're more familiar with. Patrick was a son of a farmer of modest means. After the disastrous effects of the Great Famine, Patrick left Ireland for the United States to seek better opportunities. His struggle to make a comfortable life for himself and his family was echoed by his son and later his grandson. So his son would be John, excuse me, Joe Kennedy, okay? JFK's dad. Profiting, oh, Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Was it probably profiling the family's path to success? Patrick likely would never have dreamed that his great grandson would become 35th president of the United States. Brought out of the so supposedly the American economy was limp well it was or not supposedly but the american economy was limping frantically when kennedy came to power see how we're always having bad times good times um after the depression all that so anyways i'm going to close off for here um i'll be back with a lot more about the kennedys i just wanted to include this other stuff about the small towns cops you know the tanks and all that those minor details here so hey keep getting prepared kids be safe out there goodbye for now